Hi, I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. Welcome to another episode of Connections as we find ourselves in the middle of summer and heat waves spreading across Western Canada. The beach is obviously a popular place to go. Also out on the fishing boat and things like that. Well, we want to help keep your family safe. Today, we'll be joined by an expert talking about water safety for your family. Dr. Christopher Love is a water safety expert. He works with the Life Saving Society. Dr. Love, first question is, how does somebody get into a position like that? Ooh, well, uh, that goes back a little ways. Um, I started off when I was, uh, well, when I was a kid, I just really, really liked swimming. Uh, And as I grew up, I became interested in becoming a swimming instructor and a lifeguard. I started out at uh, my local YMCA, uh, as it was then, uh, and uh, joined their leader corps, uh, which taught leadership skills, but it also gave me the chance to uh, learn how to teach swimming. And I became a fully certified swimming instructor and a life-saving instructor and a lifeguard. Uh, and that brought me into volunteering directly for the Life Saving Society for lifeguard competitions and uh, public education events. Uh, and that progressed over a couple of years. And then I was serving on the board of directors to help provide governance oversight uh, and uh, teaching a lot of courses. And, uh, you know, long story short, after about 20 22 years or so of volunteering, uh, I... Uh, served as chair of the board of directors here in Manitoba. And after my term expired, I sat back and I, okay, I'm going to take a little time off. And then a position came open and I applied and uh, got the job. And uh, now in my sixth year of uh, providing the direct services as a staff member uh, that I kind of got all the training for by doing all the other previous (laughs) volunteer work. So pretty much you can say that water has been a passion almost your entire life. Yes. Uh, yes, I can blame my parents for that one, I think. Uh, supposedly, when I was a baby, I loved baths, and then I kind of took to the water like a fish. Did you grow up around water then? Uh, well, it was always taken to the pool and stuff like that. And then once I was an older child, uh, I guess I was eight, we uh, bought a family cottage. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, for the summers, at the very least, I was out at the lake once, you know, from like eight to... 8 to 16, 17, uh, until I was working a whole lot. I was out there on a regular basis. Now, speaking of the lake and speaking of summer, uh, we're dealing with a little bit of a different year. We have, we're dealing with a pandemic, which none of us expected. And now it's just, it's our new normal. But with this, now a lot more people are, are taking to the water and they're going to be doing this. Um, and they maybe have never done this uh, in the, in the past because they would travel somewhere else. What are some safety tips um, for people out there that are planning to go to go out somewhere where there's water? Yeah, uh, you are totally correct. We are in an unprecedented summer this year with COVID-19 and the disruption it has caused uh, across society. Uh, and we are especially seeing that in, in the aquatic sector with uh, closures of facilities, closures of beaches or reduced hours, uh, reduced restricted accessibility. And so, yeah, you're right. People are going to want to get out. They're going to want to get wet and cool off and have fun. But we do want them to be safe. And certainly uh, a few big things to think about. One is uh, keep in mind that you always 
should be with someone when you're going out and doing these activities. You should never be alone. So we would say don't swim alone, don't fish alone, don't boat alone. Uh, you should be swimming with a buddy, boating with a buddy, fishing with a buddy, because in groups or in numbers, if one of you gets into trouble, there's going to be someone else there to help you out. Related to that is for parents and caregivers of small children, when those children are in, on, or near water, uh, you need to be actively supervising them. So that means there's an adult watching them at all times that is not distracted by cell phone, reading, uh, food preparation, anything like that. Uh, and as for the especially small children, so we're talking approximately seven and under, that adult needs to be within arm's reach. That is, they can grab the child and the child can grab them because unlike the movies uh, or, or a lot of common belief, drowning, it's, it's very quiet, it's very fast, it can occur unnoticed, and so you need to be able to react immediately, and if you're not within arm's reach, that potentially will not happen and that the circumstances could be tragic. And then a third big point is make sure you are wearing your life jacket or PFD, personal flotation device, in all appropriate circumstances. And so that means when you're going out on the boat, for sure, that you're actually wearing it, but it can include other activities, including swimming, uh, if the water conditions are not great or if you're a weak swimmer also for things like fishing from the shoreline or doing other activities where there is higher risk around the water uh, so that, you know, if you fall in, you're going to be able to stay above the surface. People are going to be able to spot you and provide assistance if you become in difficulty. What about people that think, you know, I'm a really good swimmer. I don't need a life jacket. What do you say to those people? Yeah, that is a common phrase that we hear. And, uh, it's one that uh, unfortunately is not borne out uh, by the statistics we see year after year in this country. Uh, a lot of people are swimmers, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to uh, help yourself depending on the exact circumstances. So I'm going to use boating as a prime example. Um, I'm based in Manitoba, and uh, we have in Manitoba, we've got Lake Winnipeg, Lake Manitoba, Lake Winnipegosis, which are three huge lakes. Uh, and other areas of the country, there are lakes, you know, across the prairies and across the country. They may not be quite as big as those lakes, but they're still plenty large. If you end up in the water and, you know, you're one, two, three kilometers from shore, or maybe even right in the center of one of these huge lakes and you're 10, 15 kilometers from shore, the fact that you're able to swim is great but you're probably not going to be able to swim that distance unless you've actively been training uh, to do longer distances. And we know, again, because of COVID, swimming pools have been shut down. So I'm, I'm fairly certain most people have not been able to do that kind of training uh, so that they would be in a position to swim. Whereas the life jacket, that's going to keep you above the surface uh, and allow you to stay afloat, stay visible. And even if you know how to swim, if you're wearing an appropriate life jacket that can assist you because you then have to worry less about keeping yourself up with the energy you have and more about using that energy to get you to a point of safety. Uh, and so that's really, really important. The other big piece of this is too, even if I'm not talking about huge distances, um, if you're thrown from the boat 
during an accident, as an example, and you hit your head when you're falling out, the fact that you know how to swim is now useless because you may be knocked senseless. You might be knocked unconscious. Uh, and so you can't swim at that point in time, even though you are a good swimmer. So it's uncomfortable, but it's a simple way that you potentially save your life. Uh you know what? I wouldn't even go as far as saying it's uncomfortable because the vast variety of styles that are available nowadays, you can find something that is comfortable and safe and stylish all in the same package. Once upon a time, I would have agreed with you. When I was growing up, I can well remember uh, the old K-Pox style life jackets. They were big, they were orange, they were like yokes around your neck, uh, and they scratched and everything because of the materials they were made of. We've come a long way since that time. And so uh, you should be able to find something that is both comfortable and functional that, as you say, is going to save your life. Uh, and you can definitely tell by that that I haven't been around the water very much, can you? <laughs> you know what? It's a common thing I get of with people who may not have been using one for a while. And it, it's understandable. I mean, people will flash back to their when they were kids and, and what their parents made them wear and everything like that. Uh, but, yeah, if you go out shopping nowadays, especially in about the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a huge amount of innovation by uh, the companies that produce the life jackets and PFDs nowadays. And you can find styles that fit every type of activity you can think of around the water. So, I mean, there are now hunting vests and fishing vests and boogie boarding vests and boating vests and paddling vests. So you might, you know, depending on what you do, you could have three different styles of life jackets that you use for the different activities you do, and each of them are styled to actually fit and be functional for that. So like I mentioned a fishing vest. I have seen fishing vests that are available out there. They look really, really good. They prov- the way they're built, they provide some warmth when you're out there, which is something you want to consider if you're out fishing. Um, but they've also got pockets and loops and everything where you can put all your fishing gear right on your vest so you don't have to be going through a tackle box to find your hooks and your lures and your your weights and everything like that. You've literally got it available to you with uh, less fuss, and so it becomes very, very functional. Well, at the same time, you fall in the water, it's going to make you float and save your life. So there's really no excuse. Uh, from our point of view, no, there isn't. Uh, one of the catchphrases we use is choose it and use it. You know, find one that's going to fit you, find one that you're comfortable going to use, and then it goes on before you go out, and it stays on until you're finished for the day and you're back at the dock or you're back at the car or whatever after your activity and you're away from the water. Now, going back to something else you said, uh, when you have children and you're near water, keep them on arms like away and, and try not to be distracted. Well, nowadays we're consumed by technology. People take them, take their phones to the beach and they're sitting there. Let's face the facts. They're going to sit there and they're going to be on their phone. Um, do you find now that technology is taking parents' attention away from their kids? Unfortunately, that does seem to be the case in some circumstances uh, where we, where we've documented, you know, dr- fatal drowning incidents. Uh, and so, we understand. I mean, you may have to do work. You may have to be on call. And, and so our suggestion to that is, if you've got multiple adults who are there with the kids, you choose one of those adults to be a parent lifeguard or a water watcher. Different phrases are used. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that parent lifeguard or that parent supervisor, that, that, that can shift. You know, So it's like, let's say you've got uh, three adults. You maybe have two parents and a grandparent are there 
And so if two of them have to do something, the third becomes the water watcher, becomes that parent lifeguard. And maybe 20 minutes later, one of the others, they're now free, so they'll spell off that first person so that it doesn't have to become onerous. But at the same time, you're providing that safety supervision, that that set of eyes or that within arm's reach uh, grabability uh, at all times for the kids to help keep them safe so that the entire family has a fun day at the beach, around the water, everybody remembers it as a great day and that they're in the future they can, you know, turn around to do the same thing over again. Now, when it comes to water-related incidents and fatalities, where are we seeing uh, the most of that? Yeah, so uh, it does vary slightly from province to province, but the overall trend that we see is uh, rivers, lakes, and ponds over and over are the three biggest areas where we do see uh, drowning fatalities in this country. So natural bodies of water, essentially. Uh, And that's because we just literally have so much of it here across the country. Um, I'm based in Manitoba. We've got over 100,000 lakes here. Saskatchewan next door is not that far behind. Alberta has got a little bit less in the south of the province. uh, But you go north, and again, there's lots and lots and lots of uh, lakes, uh, BC again, uh, all those mountain lakes and everything. Uh, and then I mean, now if we go further east into Ontario, again, ton, tons and tons of water. And that's not even mentioning all of the creeks and the streams and the rivers that we've got going across the country. So it's very easy to find water or bodies of water you can end up in. Uh, and it's unfeasible uh, for all of that to be fenced, etc., so that people can't get into it. Uh, and so people always have to be conscious of what water bodies are around and what are those risks of the local bodies of water in my neighborhood or where I happen to be going for a family vacation or a trip or anything like that. Now, speaking of bodies of water, they all have uh, a different, I don't know what word to use here, um, they're all different, and, mm-hmm. and each one poses a different risk. And what I learned this week, which was very interesting to me, is uh, like if you were to dive into a quarry, because there's not a ton of vegetation in there, you are literally slamming into that water, and it can feel like you are, are hitting cement, even though you're hitting water. Uh, what, what are the different risks um, in different bodies of water? Yeah, so as you say, that can vary. And I mean, we could probably spend a huge amount of time just talking about lots of micro cases. But I mean, in terms of overall trends, um, certainly vegetation, you mentioned, vegetation can be a risk. Um, uh, there, there, there is this kind of belief that um, if you go into the weeds, uh, the weeds will wrap around you and tangle you up and pull you under. Now, that's, that, that's, that's a myth. Uh, the weeds do not have conscious minds. They cannot wrap around you. But what we have seen in many cases, or have anecdotal evidence for from people's reports, um, a lot of people don't like the feel of vegetation around their legs or their arms when they go swimming through a patch of weeds. And so if they panic and they thrash that can actually cause the vegetation to start wrapping around them because of their action as they roll back and forth trying to escape this icky feeling. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you hear of cases where, oh, the, the weeds entangled them, it's like, well, actually they entangled themselves because they panicked because they didn't like the feeling more than likely based upon the stories we've heard. Uh, and, and, I mean, I've swum through weeds, and, yeah, it's not exactly the greatest feeling. So certainly there's that factor. Um, 
but yeah, you can see things like sand, mud uh, in water that can reduce visibility. There can be um, there, there there can be hidden features uh, if you're in an area where there's been a lot of logging in the past, and they use the local rivers to transport uh, that uh, timber down to a site where it could be processed. Uh, you can end up with uh, with deadheads or sink, sunken logs where something got super waterlogged and it ends up just below the surface, and it may blend in with the bottom uh, or the general color of the water or the lake, uh, but it's you know an extremely hard surface that if you jumped in at the wrong point or dove in, you'd hit that and you could be seriously injured, uh, or it could cause some sort of other type of incident for like boating. Uh, so certainly those those are concerns that we could go through. Uh, the hitting the water at speed doesn't just have to be an old quarry, as a matter of fact, for that one. If you go from a height into any body of water, um, it is going to feel uh, very, very rough. Uh, there's a reason why, if you ever watch like Olympic-level diving, um, they very often have some sort of a bubbling machine happening a little bit at the bottom of the pool. You'll see some bubbles uh, as the divers do their practicing. Um, they're not allowed to use those for competition because they have to see what's going on, uh, but it's used to help lessen that shock when you hit the water uh, because, yeah, it, you know, if you're going off a 10-meter height and hitting the water, uh, you can be going pretty darn fast, you know, tens of, you know, 30, 40, 50 kilometers per hour, depending on the height you're going from, uh, equivalent when you hit the water. And so you do need to make sure that you're going in at a proper angle so you're not going to uh, pancake and really hurt yourself. What's the most common form of recreation when there is an incident on the water? What are people doing? That varies from province to province, but uh, the two biggest ones that we very often see are... uh, Actually, I should I should give you the three biggest. Pardon me. Um, our three biggest that we see are swimming, uh, the uh, playing, walking, or just being near the water, uh, and some form of uh, boating. Uh, are generally the three biggest categories you see across the country. Uh, depending on the exact province, you might see those reorder slightly, uh, and sometimes something like fishing might come up a little bit higher in certain. Uh, provincial stats uh, based upon the activities that happen in a given province. So like, for example, if I use my local ones for Manitoba, our top three are swimming, uh, walking, running, or playing near water is number two, and fishing is number three. But in previous years, we've had boating as number three or even number two, depending upon, uh, depending upon the exact events that occur in a given season. And so that will vary from place to place, time to time. But generally speaking, those three categories occur over and over and over again. And it's very interesting. I, I was looking at that stat as well with the walking, running, playing near water was kind of shocking because you're, you're going about your day. Exactly. And that, that's what a lot of people don't realize. Uh, in many, many cases, um, and again, it varies from year to year, but we've seen years where, um, you know, up to 50% of uh, drowning fatalities in this country, they did not even intend to go into the water when uh, an incident occurred. And so, yeah, that, that can be very surprising to people because they're like, well, but I just thought people who wanted to go in the water were the ones getting in trouble. But no, as a matter of fact, it's just being near water. Um, 
we've had over the course of this year across the country, there have been multiple floods that have occurred in various places, overland flooding, storm-induced flooding, just regular spring melt flooding have occurred in different places. And those are the types of incidents where uh, you can see things where people end up in situations where it's like normally they would consider it totally safe, but because the flooding is happening, they suddenly end up in water that they didn't realize. And that could be uh, you know, a road is suddenly washed out and they drive into it uh, without you know, thinking. Uh, like, oh, it's only going to go a little bit over the tires, but because the flood water is moving so fast, it, it washes the car off the road and into the stream or whatever. Uh, or, oh, it's just a little bit of water in the ditch, but again, the water is flowing and knocks someone off their feet and, and pulls them into trouble. Um, or just being a near a riverbank, um, there's been high water in many places in the country over the last little while. I can speak, I'm based in Winnipeg. We've got very high water in the Red and the Assiniboine Rivers. Our riverbanks right now are very, very crumbly because the high water levels combined with running water in those rivers means the riverbanks are being undercut. So they're going to, in places, they are going to collapse. And if somebody is walking and looking at the river at the time that one of those riverbanks collapses, they can get pulled into the water. They weren't intending to go swimming, but it ends up happening. How important is it to have swimming lessons? Very important. Um, we talk in the business about giving as many layers of protection as possible for anyone who's going to take water activities. And so one of those very, very important layers of protection is learning how to swim. And if you combine learning how to swim with getting appropriate water safety information for the area you're going to, wearing your life jacket, swimming with a buddy, um, going, and if at all possible, swimming in a supervised area, so where there are lifeguards who can help supervise you. All of those add further layers of protection. But yeah, the learning to, the, learning to swim is one of those base ones that really, really helps. And in our household, all four of us cannot swim, so we definitely got to get on that. <laughs> yeah, I would totally encourage you, if you don't know how to swim... Right now with COVID, I'm going to be totally honest, it's going to be a little bit harder to access some of that swim instruction than normal because of all the physical restrictions we have. But it's never too late to learn, uh, and it's a life skill from our point of view. Uh, It it can really enrich your life. It gives you a great fitness activity, but can also save your life or help you save the life of someone else if you go far enough in your training and learn those skills. For those who want to learn more uh, about how they can help out, help where, or just learn more about water safety, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, so uh, Life Saving Society, we have an office in every province uh, across the country as well as an, a national office located in Ottawa. So depending on where you are in the country, you can, you can do a quick Google search. But actually, if you go to our national website, which is lifesaving.ca, you can access information on each of the provinces there. Uh, and so, I mean, I'm based in Manitoba. Our website is lifesaving.mb.ca. Uh, and uh, for your local ones, um, like I say, if you go to the national website, you can link in and get all the contact info, whether you want to use like a Facebook site to access info, the website, uh, social media for your local office, Uh, any or all of those, and uh, myself and any of my colleagues across the country are more than happy to answer questions and uh, provide assistance in learning more about water safety and helping keep you, yourself, your families, and friends safe. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Big thanks to Dr. Love for joining us today. Yes, get on that life jacket when you're heading out onto the water. Don't forget, if you missed today's episode, you can listen to it repeated every night at 10 p.m. on your radio station. You can also find the full audio at your radio station's website or find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It makes it easier for others to find us too. We'll talk to you again on Connections.